today's theme for Advent, uh, this third Sunday, is joy. So hopefully you're feeling joyful today. And if not, hopefully you can get some joy in you by the end of the day. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to read the Old Testament reading together today. So um, let's, I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to allow you to sit down, and we're going to stand for the next scripture, okay? So you can just chill for a moment more. So this comes from, uh, this is the Old Testament reading, so it comes from Zephaniah uh, chapter 3, verse 14 and 20. So there's four readings every Sunday. Uh, if you're not from a liturgical church background, there's four readings that you would read on a Sunday. So I just pick whatever one I feel like. Is that okay? Because I figure like to stand here and read all four, some of you may be cool with it. I will definitely fall asleep while reading it. And so I just wanted to uh, do it. Arlene and I, uh, when we first got married, we celebrated by me working at a Lutheran church for a couple months until they kicked me out, and uh, which is kind of true. And uh, they, uh, but we learned a lot about liturgy, which we appreciate to this day. So I love uh, the liturgical stuff, really good. So let's start read Zephaniah. This is just the Bible, but let's read Zephaniah chapter three, verse fourteen. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O Israel! Rejoice and exult with all your heart. O daughter of Jerusalem, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. Think about that. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. What a powerful statement. You shall never again fear evil. Hmm. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will uh, save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Wow, what a wonderful picture. Verse 18, I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. Wow. At that time I will bring you in and at the time when I gather you together for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Isn't that a powerful, powerful scripture verse? I read it earlier this week and I'm just kind of blown away by it again. So great. So what a great reminder of joy and restoration through our God. That's what he's about. He's about joy. And uh, by the looks on your faces, some of you need a little joy this morning. So we'll see what we can do in the next 20 minutes. But uh, we'll see if God performs a miracle. Okay. Restoration through God. Amen. Today's message is called Heaven and Nature Sings. Have you ever heard that before? Raise your hand. Okay, thank you, a few of you. That's right, it's not an original title. Our scripture passage is from Psalm 96. Would you stand up? And we're going to stand as we read today's scripture, the word of the Lord for today. Amen. Woo-hoo! All right. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering 
and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. And everyone said amen. And greet someone and say, I love you more than Boston Pizza. Uh, one of our most enjoyed songs each Christmas when we, uh, each Christmas would be, one of our most enjoyed songs each Christmas, I'm stumbling my words, would be Joy to the World, right? Uh, it's when, uh, when Isaac Watt uh, wrote the words, Heaven and Nature Sings, you begin to wonder what that meant for him as he wrote those words down on a piece of paper or whatever he wrote them down on. Was he talking about the scenery around him? The fact that scripture tells us that angels rejoice over us. Was that what he was thinking about? Was he looking up to the stars and recognizing that there is a God who loves us, knows us by name, but also breathes out stars right from his mouth that we see across our sky? If I were to just take the words heaven and nature sings and try to preach about that today i would inevitably miss the whole picture god is much bigger than that he's beyond description how can we describe how big god is and how great his works are it's actually impossible to do i, I that's not what i've come to realize so us preachers we just try <laughs> we try our best uh, pastors just try and read the word as it said. When I was thinking and researching about how to describe the title of the message today, I came across this quote about God's greatness. Here it is. He's a huge, massive God of grace and glory. That's who he is. That's who he is. I love how each Christmas we are drawn in by the love of God and the love God has for each in every one of us. Do you know that God loves each and every one of us? Raise your hand if you know that. If you figure that out, okay, good job. Some of you haven't, so we'll work on that too. So we need joy with a lot of you. Some of you need the grace and love of God. Okay, we'll get there. I'm not looking at anyone. I'm just looking at the carpet. And uh, so uh, the deal is, is that uh, God loves everyone. He's got a plan for everyone. Have you ever met someone in your life and you thought, there is no way God loves them? Raise your hand. It's okay. Let's be honest. I have met one or two or hundreds of those people. No, it's not true. Just a couple. But uh, I've, I've wondered, why God? Why? Why? But the truth is, is it's not my opinion or your opinion. It's that God loves each and every one of us, no matter what we've done. He loves us, no matter what we've done. I was in the mall in uh, Sudbury on Friday trying to do some uh, damage Christmas shopping-wise. And uh, I have a, a few things to get still for uh, this Christmas for my family. But I love how every year it almost feels like there is a pause for a few minutes where everyone remembers, or at least for a moment, thinks about God. Just for a moment, maybe, but we think about God. I love hearing the Christmas carols played over the sound system in the malls. I find it so funny. Most of the songs are newer, and they have nothing to do with God. They're quite inappropriate, a lot of them, and uh, we just, you just ignore it. But every few minutes, you get a song about the Lord. It's true. Every, few, every, little, every once in a while, you get a song about the Lord in their little mixtape. Uh, it's such an exciting feeling. I was in the mall, as I said, I was in the mall this week, and I could just hear a few, just every few minutes, I could hear a Christmas carol, an old Christmas carol, 
And it's not some weirdo singing about who knows what. But it was just, oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining or something like that, just like we sang earlier. So when we look into our scripture text today in verse 2 and 3, we're reminded in our text of a responsibility that we have. So today, I'm keeping it simple, and I just want you to uh, remember four things today. So here's the first one. Val, Val, if you could put it up on the screen. Man, Val is so good. Do you know that I'm the worst pastor? I don't give her any notes. She just clicks, and she's bam. She's got it, and it's just, oh, I was thinking about it. I'm so sorry, Val. Maybe next year, maybe not, but uh, (laughs) there we go. I remember I used to do the PowerPoint for my pastor growing up, and his son would come in the sound booth. My pastor is now, my pastor when we were growing up on Arlene, he's the pastor of Glad Tidings in Sudbury. And his son, (laughs) he was a little bit younger than me, and he would come in the back there while his dad was preaching and start talking to me. And so we'd be talking, and his dad a few times had to yell at us to like shove it and turn the slide in front of hundreds of people. I was like, that was your son's fault. It was not me. But uh, he always gave us little notes, so I always feel bad. So thank you, Val. But we, uh, here's the first one. We're to uh, declare his glory. Let me elaborate a little bit. From verse 2 and 3, if you look at it, the responsibility that we have is that we are to declare his glory in marvelous works among the nations. That's what we're to do. We're to declare his glory and marvelous works among the nations. Now, some of you know this. Some of you uh, may know it in your head but don't know it in your heart. And some of you may be completely oblivious, and it's not a right or wrong thing. But uh, we have an opportunity in Canada. Now, not so much in Espanola, I'll be honest, but in Canada in general, we have an opportunity to declare his works among the nations. I remember when I was in Bible school, people would talk about um, going to the ends of the earth kind of thing to be a missionary and all that. And that's, that's really great. But the truth is, if you want to reach the world, all you have to do is reach Toronto. <laughs> and because all of the world is in Toronto. That's the way it is. There's hundreds and hundreds of nations represented in the greater Toronto area. Uh, the first church I was youth pastor at had around 800 people in to 1,000 people in the church. And there was like... Uh, 60 to 70 nations represented at that time. My last church had a couple thousand people in it, and there was 130 nations represented (laughs) in the church. And so the truth is, is that when we come together and we recognize that we are to declare his glory and marvelous works among the nations, the nations have come to us. I also know this, there's more nations represented in Espanola today than there was 30 years ago. (laughs) that's going out on a limb. Not really. Okay. So the truth is, is that we are to declare his glory and marvelous work among the nations. All nations are to hear about the works of God. It is not a certain, uh, it is not a certain nations or a certain race of people's religion. God is for everyone. You cannot exclude God from any race or any nation. That is the word of the Lord. Our focus should always be outward. What would God have me do today? What would God have me do today? And uh, when we think about heaven and nature singing, we're reminding that God's word must be preached to all people of all nations, every tribe and tongue. Now the truth is, in our community, we have nations Uh, And they're not countries necessarily, but we have different nations represented in different groups of people uh, within our community. And the truth is we can reach 
different nations, even right here. And that's the honest to goodness truth. That's the word of God, that everyone would hear God's word in all the nations. Every tribe and every tongue would hear the word of the Lord. That's the word of God. Just like last week when we talked about the wise men coming from the east, Jesus brings the nations together through his name. I believe that nothing brings the nations together like Jesus. Now, this, there's not, not necessarily, there may be out there, I have no idea, I guess, but I don't think there's any particular mathematical equation for Jesus unifying the nations, but the truth is, he is the one that brings us together. Here's a quote for you. The earth is invited to praise the Lord with a new song. We're to do it together, that every tribe, every tongue, every nation would together praise the Lord with a new song. Our second point for today, so our first one was, uh, pull up the next slide. Oh, man, Val's so good. The first one was declare his glory. Our second one is God is great. He's feared by all other gods. Do you know that about God? Now, when I say God, I'm talking big G God. In my notes, when I say other gods, it's little G gods. They are not real gods. They're just things, okay? But God is great. He is feared by all other gods. The gods of people, the Bible says, are worthless idols. But the Lord, he made the heavens. Genesis 1 Verse 1 and 3 says, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He's the only God who's ever said that, and it actually happened. All right? He's the only one. The scriptures tell us that from the mouth of God, stars come. Now think about that. From the mouth of God, stars come. Imagine this imagery as I read this. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts by the breath of his mouth all their hosts this scripture gives us the picture of the stars being birthed from the mouth of god that's where they come from psalm 19 verse 1 to 3 says this the heavens are telling the glory of god their expanse declares the work of his hands day after day they pour forth speech and night after night they tell us what they know there is no place where there is speech where their voices are not heard. Day after day, they pour forth speech, and night after night, they tell us what they know. That's God's words over us. I actually, all the scripture that are on the screen today, are the background, <laughs> I'm realizing you probably can't even see it, but the background is the stars and the galaxy um, from uh, Earth's view out into the sky. And uh, it's just such a powerful picture. The scripture we just read in Psalm 19 reminds us that creation is continually telling the story of God. There is no place where the voice of God is not heard in all of the heavens and the expanse of his kingdom. I've been places where you feel like God has not been there in a while or God's Word has not been there, but the truth is God's voice has been heard in all of the heavens and the expanse of his kingdom. That's the word of the Lord. Augustine wrote this, The very order, disposition, beauty, change, and motion of the world and, all, and of all visible things silently proclaim that it could only have been made by God. 
Let me read that again. The very order, disposition, beauty, change, and motion of the world and of all visible things silently proclaim that it could only have been made by God. He is the maker of all things. Not some things, not a few things, but all things. Because our world is fallen, we have a tendency to look at the majesty of God with insignificance if we are not careful. We wouldn't ever admit to it, but sometimes if we're not careful, we can begin to see God in the light of insignificance. When we don't understand the fullness of God, that is related to sin in our life. If God is small in your life, take a look at what else is happening in your life. Take a look at sin in your life. We minimize God in our mind when sin abounds in our life. Sin will disguise itself as truth when our hearts aren't right with God. I've seen it so many times. Sin will disguise itself as truth when our hearts aren't right with God. Uh, here's a quote for you. Sin has a way of puffing us up and pushing God down. That's what sin does. The scripture tells us that all, God, that all gods of the peoples are worthless idols. Uh, in uh, talking about Toronto a little bit, I don't mean to talk about it because we're, we're not there, but in, in large, let me just say, in large urban centers, there's lots of different religions, and people will ask, if you live in one of those places, people ask you about what about this religion, what about that religion, what about what they believe, what about they, what they believe, and I remember telling young people, they'd say, well, what about this or that, and I'd say, listen, they are all worthless idols before God. And that's what the Christian belief is. It's not, uh, it's not meant to be offensive or oppressive, but the truth is, is that all gods before our God are nothing. They're nothing. Yet in my own, uh, they're all worthless idols. But here's the truth. Yet in my own life, I've seen that we constantly get caught up with idols. Each of us has the chance to get caught up with idols. I've seen so many of us over the years putting so much before God. We put stuff in our life before God. Let me give you some examples. We put our jobs before God. We put our careers before God. We put our family, our children, and more before the one who covets our time with him. He is worthy of everything we could ever offer to him. Just as the Magi brought perfect gifts to Jesus, we today say, Lord, what can I do and what can I bring to give you an offering? There's a well-known quote I want to share to you uh, today about sin. I don't know if I've shared it before, but I've shared it before, but not here maybe. It says this. It may be familiar to you. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. That's what sin does. For our purposes today, worthless idols is the sin that would keep us from God's plan. You see, remember anything that we put before God in our life will become an idol. Whatever we put before God in our life will become an idol. Even things that seem pure and blameless, if we put it before God, it becomes an idol. God is great, therefore I will no longer build idols before him. I said, I got to backtrack here. I said a moment ago that things like our career, family, children, and those sorts of things can become idols in our life. Are any of those things inherently wrong? No, they're all fine. But when we put them before God, 
that's when we find error in them. That's when they can become an idol for us. If you've ever uh, been in a family where there's a workaholic, (laughs) you would know that that becomes something before God, before anything else. That's just an example. So remember, anything that we put before God in our life will become an idol, even things that seem pure and blameless. Isn't that true? I've seen it so many times. I don't know about you. God is great. Therefore, I will no longer build idols before him. One of the, uh, I went to a pioneer camp. My grandpa used to send me to pioneer camp. Anyone know where that is in Huntsville area? Okay. My grandpa used to send me to pioneer camp uh, every summer. I went two or three, four times when I was a young boy. And he went there when he was a kid. And he's actually got a uh, painting in his, I think it's in his living room, and uh, uh, of a, part of the lake, I forget what lake it's on, but part of the lake that it's, uh, Pioneer Camp is on in Huntsville. And uh, my second or third time at that camp, I was getting a little older, and uh, this was the summer that I learned what a difference a counselor can make in a young person's life. And so I, uh, I began meeting with this, uh, you know, he seemed old at the time, he was probably 15. <laughs> I was like nine, so I was like, oh my goodness. But uh, uh, maybe he was 14, I don't even know. <laughs> but uh, he seemed cool. And uh, I remember he and I would talk about how jealous God is for us. That was our devotion that week. I, I don't know why I remember it, but I do. Uh, that God is so jealous for our time. And that's something I've never, ever forgotten in life, is that God is jealous for our time. He wants his time with us. He wants his time with us. I don't know about you, but when I do my vo- devotions, I've gotten away from it, so I need to get back on course by writing these things down. But when I do my devotions, a million things come into my brain that have nothing to do with God, like take out the garbage, uh, uh, say sorry to Arlene. Uh, <laughs> that's every night. Okay. But, <laughs> but these random things come to my mind. Uh, it, it can be things about things I have to do in the office, things I have to do around the house. Um, for one, a whole month, it was take the trampoline apart. It's going to wreck itself in the snow. Oh, my goodness. And I did it But uh, a month later. But the truth is, is that every time I spend time with God, I have all these random things. So I, I usually, I haven't done it lately, but I usually keep a separate notepad, and I write all these things down. And sometimes there's just a few things on that notepad. Sometimes it's a long list. But the truth is, is that we, God loves to spend time with us. He loves to spend time with us, and we need to spend time with him. Uh, how many of you have, ch- well, don't raise your hand because this, <laughs> this will defeat the purpose, but if you have a child that ignores you, what, how does that make you feel? It's not good. If I ignore, do I ignore my parents, Arlene? Depends on your point of view, maybe. But uh, I try not to ignore my parents. I ignore other people's parents because they're not mine. But uh, I try not to ignore my own parents. But the truth is, if you have a child that ignores you, it's difficult. It saddens your heart. You still love them the same, but it, it hurts you. You want to see, oh, I just want to spend time with them. I just want to um, be with them. Poor Arlene. She gets dragged into my family and all of our weirdness. So she, <laughs> she's still learning. 11 years in, but my, my mom and dad, they just need time with their kids sometimes. Maybe it's because we're ignoring them. We don't even realize it. But the truth is the same is true about God, uh, God our Father in heaven, is that he loves to spend time with his children. So our first thought for today, if you could put that slide up there, uh, Val, is this. That's the next one. Declare his glory. The second thing is God is great. God is great over every single one of your circumstances. Our third one is bring our offerings to him. 
when we look at verse 7 and 8 in uh, Psalm 96, we are reminded of the importance of bringing our offerings to him. God welcomes us into his courts. I always see the church building as the house of God. No matter what anyone faces, what lifestyle they lead, what they've succeeded at or what they've failed at, everyone is welcome into the house of God. Everyone. I feel as though our church, we're still working towards this goal. We're not quite there yet. But when you come into this place, I want everyone, no matter the situation, to feel at home. That's how I want everyone to feel when they come in through our doors. I'll never forget an old friend of mine who would never come into a church. They'd talk about church. They'd hang out with friends that went to church and all sorts of other things. But they wouldn't come through the doors of a church building just like this. They'd never do it. All right? As I've seen our church reach out to our community and, and invite our community in over the past year, I can't help but wonder if we've made people feel at home. I pray that we have. Psalm 96 uh, verses 7 and 8 reminds me of this. They need, we need to welcome families, young and old, into the house of God. Would that be a mark that we carry? As we welcome, we bring an offering of thanksgiving to the Lord. He's made all this. All of this is for him. Not just our church building, not our property, not our staff, not our leadership. Not just all of that. All of that is for him, but there's so much more for him. Uh, our old church in Toronto had this written on the ceiling as you enter the sanctuary. It said this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. It comes from Psalm 100, verse 4. I pray that that is our prayer each time we enter this place, that we'd enter this place with thanksgiving. Today we're reminded of this in Colossians 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and, in, and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. We are to welcome everyone into the house of God because he's created all things. So our fourth one today, this is our final one, worship the Lord in holiness. At first I just put worship, but that's such a, it can mean so many things. I had to get more specific. Worship the Lord in holiness. As we worship God, holiness becomes a greater attribute in our lives. Listen to that carefully. As we worship God, holiness becomes a greater attribute in our lives. As we're reminded in these final days until Christmas officially comes and begins, all of heaven and nature rejoices it sings at what the lord has done what a powerful reminder for us at this time of the year hebrews 11 verse 3 says this by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of god so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible you see i always look to the invisible what is god teaching me through the invisible things in life the things that i can't see what is he revealing to me today Ask yourself that. God, what are you revealing to me today? So you see, as we close, I turn my eyes and my gaze to the Lord Jesus. I read this quote that I felt would be appropriate to share about Jesus at the end. It says this, The hand that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered. 
Such a deep, deep statement. From the hand that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered. Those are the same hands. Revelation 1 verse 16 says, In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. He has an awesome power. He is power. That's who the Lord is. That's who we are worshiping with holiness. Philippians 2 verses 15 and 16, one of my favorites says this, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. This is a crooked and twisted generation that we are in the midst of right now. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. I've always said, you don't have to say anything. All you have to do is live for God. You will be a shining light in your community. Holding, verse 16 says, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. That Christ is, you know, and some of the people in our church are getting excited about these things. Christ is coming soon, period. All right? Is he coming tomorrow? I got no idea. But he is coming soon, okay? This is my prayer for us. Holding fast to the word of life in the day of Christ. He is coming. We must hold fast to the word. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, For God who said, let, the, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It was his at the beginning, it was his in the middle, and it's still his today. What God has given, gifted, shown, does not belong to us. It belongs to him. Everything in heaven and nature that he has prepared for us is for him. Jackie, would you help me here? So today, let's just review uh, heaven and nature things. Like I said at the beginning, we can't encapsulate it in, in a small condensed version but it's everything it's the the the, the stars and the universe and the expanse of what we see past our planet it's all his it was always his to begin with i just love the imagery of the stars being birthed from his mouth even in revelation where it says he holds five or seven stars in his hand that's who he is. The Bible says the expanse of the universe can be found in the palm of his hand. Today we learn these things about this uh, from Psalm 96. First off, we are to declare his glory. Secondly, God is great. He is great. Third, bring our offerings to him. We're to bring everything to him. Everything in our life is his. And fourth, we need to worship the Lord in holiness. Or you could say it this way, when we worship God, we become holy. To close this morning, I'll end uh, with this well-known scripture and then pray with everyone. Psalm 139 says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful 
for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. 